And personalization is not a silver silver bullet in the in the end of the day. So uh, we usually we usually suggest that our customers personalize when they have a strong hypothesis aligned with a business goal that personalization could address. Because personalization is not cheap. It's not it's not easy to maintain. It's not simple to implement and to understand which is which way is the better. So if you don't have a strong business goal that personalization can be helpful with, we we don't we don't recommend to use personalization. I am Claire with Experiment Nation and I am here with Juliana um, Amorim and she is the co-founder of Croft, which is a personalization experimentation uh, platform. So thanks for joining us today. Yeah, it's nice to meet you and I'm very happy to be here with you today. Yeah, super happy to have you on the podcast. Today, we're going to be talking a lot about website personalization and what that means for e-commerce websites as well as non-e-commerce websites, um, a topic I'm super interested in learning a lot about. So I've been really looking forward to this interview. Um, but why don't we get started uh, with you just telling us a little bit about how you got into the world of optimization and personalization? Yeah, sure. That's nice. Well, uh, my journey started actually with uh, email marketing and search ads, but both of these areas required a lot of optimization and constantly uh, testing uh, different hypotheses and so on. So I got involved with A-B testing really soon. And uh, I'm passionate about this experimentation and discovery and etc. And as I learned more about CRO, uh, I also brought some tactics, some basic concepts from these areas. And Initially, it basically means audience segmentation because it's very normal for email marketing, but it, you, it, it quickly evolved and expanded to personalization. What I basically understood is that, is that personalization was very powerful, but very underused also, and mainly because it's hard to implement and very expensive to maintain. So I, I just decided to go deeper into this field. It's, it's a very nice field, actually. Yeah, I mean, it's super, I can understand how it can be extremely lucrative for businesses that want to spend the resources to um, implement it on their site. Yeah. So I guess for our listener, and just to make sure we're all on the same page, uh, what are we talking about when we're talking about website personalization? Yeah, okay. So when we talked about personalization, uh, we mean adapting the whole user journey to the user context. So it's, it goes way beyond to use their information like their name to change a headline or to use their, the, the product they have seen or purchased to recommend something. And it's not, it's not that I'm saying that this is not personalization at all, because I know that personalization has born with this strategy, but it has evolved a lot today. And in one hand, when, when we talk about e-commerce, as you said, everyone is familiar with these common strategies and it's very normal. But on the other hand, non-e-commerce business, such as B2B SaaS or, for example, uh, I don't know, financial services, they require different approaches comparing with, non with e-commerce. And I can illustrate that with some examples. Uh, let's say that uh, we are trying to build a digital bank, both of us, and uh, we have to serve a bunch of different people with different needs. 
uh, it's not easy to create a website or a mobile app, for example, that suits all our needs on the same place as with a same with the same strategy. So uh, let's say that I need a loan, but you have got plenty of money to invest. Our journey with this digital bank will be very different from the start of our journey to the final conversion. So uh, the same applies for B2B SaaS, for example, or B2B companies that deal with different buyer personas, or for example, with marketplace that deal with different uh, the opposite sides of the, 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 the funnel and the sales funnel, the sales stage. So I think that we can say that basically personalization is all about making sure everyone feels like they are getting what they need. Just like we have in our physical and real life out of, outside of the digital world. Right. Yeah. Super important. I mean, you get your tailored in-person help by the whatever the agent is that was working with you. And it's, yeah, I can imagine really hard to mimic that um, experience online, yeah. um, but very valuable. So how does it work? I mean, if we're not just taking like purchases, like recent purchases, like Amazon does, you know, um, how, how does it work? Yeah. So uh, we usually say here that we have two kinds of personalization and I will split this in two and explain both of them separately. So uh, on one side, and actually, let me also add that people usually think that this is opposite types of personalization, but they usually coexist. So on one side, we have, uh, we have rule-based personalization. Rule-based personalization are the simple ones that are, based, uh, that, that are basically personalizations aligned with a business, business strategy and it's usually necessary to like uh, differently position my product based on the personas that I'm talking to or to highlight some specific orders based on uh, their geographic locations, for example, or based on their behavior if they have already purchased from my brand or not. Uh, it can be used to uh, adapt the communication based on the funnel stage or simply to validate some new hypothesis, for example. And on the other hand, we have the AI-based personalization, which everyone is talking about right now. And um, they, we can use this the second type to deal with uh, broader audiences. If we still don't know exactly how to segment this audience, uh, we can use this um, if you want to go deeper in the optimization effort and reach the individual level of it or we can use it to uncover completely new opportunities that only AI can, can do for us. So it basically have these two types. And when we talk about the data that we have to use to, to this both kinds of personalization, we have uh, the anonymous data and the personal data. And it's very common to use data like anonymous data, like um, browsing behavior, uh, ads campaign the user interacts with, uh, the content they read in, the, in their website to personalize the experience. And there's a myth that personalization always have to, to be applied with personal data and to, uh, to information that actually identifies the user. But in reality, this is not needed in all cases. Okay, so yeah, so that was one of my, my biggest questions. Um, knowing that we're kind of getting away from from you know user specific uh, tracking or d data usage, 
um, and focus more on like session specific or different events that people are doing on websites. Obviously this is e-commerce website or very specific to that um, scenario, but I guess that was one of my biggest questions was how does it work if we, if we're not tracking people's identities based on um, yeah, the user on the website. Yeah, so uh, I actually, I want to highlight that uh, the, the world is changing. Uh, it, it has been a long time, but I, I think that the change is, is, is getting deeper right now. So companies that embrace the user's privacy will actually be the first to thrive in this competitor because understanding the limits of what is nice to personalize and what is creepy is actually the key for the success in the digital world. So. Mm -hmm. I think that brands already uh, are, they are understanding that we as a customer, we value the, the, the opportunity they have with our information, but they just, we just want them to like to, how can I say this in English, but to protect it, to respect our privacy. And yeah, to not be creepy. <laughs> to not be creepy, exactly. And, and the good news is that we, we have seen this a lot with our customer base. You don't usually need personal data to provide a better, a better user experience. We have a lot of use case here uh, where we don't have to, to get to this level. And just by understanding what the user is doing on your website without checking everything related to third-party uh, third information, it's more than enough to provide this better user experiences. So I believe that it's not just delivering the user the experience the user is expecting, but to show them that you respect their privacy. This is the, the main goal today. Okay, amazing. So just to kind of go over what we just learned or make sure that I'm following. Um, so I guess there's two different ways we can approach it. And one is giving it rules um, to segment users and provide personalizations based on that. I mean, I think this is a super simple example, but like a weather website that tar you know shows you the weather for your specific location. Um, it could know that I'm in Montreal and you're in Brazil, um, and you know, give feed you different information based on that. Um, or there's AI-based personalization, which is I guess you can use when you don't really know how to segment your audience yet, and it kind of does that for you. Yeah, uh, I have a, a very nice example of this difference. Uh, we we tested the first the first version of our AI model last year with a beta customers uh, from our user base, and the 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 example was very simple for AI-based personalization, but not very simple for rule-based personalization. So let's suppose uh, we run a website uh, for news. So we have some news articles. And do you know that share icons that we have on every article so you can share this news to your friends? So mm -hmm. maybe you, you, you are a user that, well, I don't know, you like using email, and I may like using WhatsApp, and someone might prefer LinkedIn, for example. What are the variables in this context that you can use to understand which is the, the preferred method for sharing this, this news? 
So this is a nice, uh, nice example for AI-based personalization because it, go, it goes in a deeper level, like an individual level, and it, it can leverage some data that we, we, may, we, we may don't know uh, the, wh what is it's, it's making the user using one way or another. And with our AI model, we discovered, for example, that uh, here in Brazil, users uh, on the countryside related to agriculture and, and so on, they preferred WhatsApp because it was their main communication channel. And users in Sao Paulo in business, business centers, they prefer uh, LinkedIn, for example. And this is an example where rule-based uh, personalization couldn't handle it like AI-based personalization. Or it would just take a lot more work to figure out those rules, I guess, right? Yeah, exactly. A lot of more money, more analysis, more people and experiments. Yeah. Um, awesome. So when should brands be, I know we've talked a bit about, you know, non-e-commerce brands um, versus e-commerce brands. When should, you know, I guess always, but when should brands be utilizing personalization more than others? And when might it not be uh, appropriate to use personalization? Yeah, yeah, that's a nice thing because usually people think that personalization should be used everywhere or in every mm -hmm. situation, but personalizing just, just for the sake of it is not cool actually. And personalization is not a silver, silver bullet in the, in the end of mm -hmm. the day. So uh, we, usually, we usually suggest that our customers personalize when they have a strong hypothesis aligned with a business goal that personalization could address. Because personalization is not cheap, it's not, it's not easy to maintain, it's not simple to implement and to understand which, is, which way is the better. So if you don't have a strong business goal that personalization can be helpful with, we we don't we don't recommend to use personalization. Start with simple experiments like A/B testing and simple simple segmentation strategy, and add personalization as a final layer for specific specific goals. Okay, so I guess jumping into that a little bit deeper. So, um, say I have a brand and I'm noticing that people in California are way more likely to purchase this one product versus you know people in Montreal or New York or something. Um, this is an example of a hypothesis where I think I would want to personalize my website for people in California to show them this one product in a hero banner on the homepage or something like that. Yeah, exactly. This is a, a very nice use case. And we have seen a lot of uh, cases in conversion rates increase here with our customers. Uh, the example that you gave me was uh, the first example every of our customers tried last year. <laughs> it was very nice to see that even uh, companies that in, in theory weren't, wasn't related to geographic location segmentation, they started using this and they discovered out of the blue that segmentation for ge geolocalization was a, very, a, a good strategy for them. But we have a lot of different use cases that goes from the simplest one like this to the most complex one. Another simple one that's very helpful with our customers is, for example, uh, segmentating uh, people that have already bought from you from people that are new users. On e-commerce, it's very common to see new purchase discount or free shipping for, for first purchases. 
and it usually don't don't resonate very well with your customer base because they're just this discount doesn't apply for them. So it's the second simplest examples that we have here. It's very we have seen increase like thirty percent in conversion rate just by doing this here. Hmm. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, I yeah have a client I'm working on where we're focusing on on personalizing for people who have purchased, but it's become a huge ordeal, of course, like very resource intensive because we have two different experimentation streams, one where we're focusing on people who are logged in and we're setting a cookie and basing everything off of that purchase cookie um, or whether they're logged in versus not. And you never know whether to trust the cookie or not. Um, so yeah, it's becoming a, a huge resource intensive ordeal, but it's yeah, very interesting. Yeah, uh, we usually we usually don't suggest our customers to try to implement personalizations by themselves in house <laughs> because people underestimate the the the, bene the, the benefits. I'm sorry, people underestimate how hard it is to implement and to take care of all the technical aspects of personalization, and they usually don't have extension of how how a poor, poorly implemented personalization can actually hard, hardness the, the business. So it's very mm -hmm. common to have this kind of difficulties that you, you just said with third party cookies or first party cookies and so on. Yeah, yeah, cool, makes sense. Um, so I guess we've touched on this a little bit, but what are some, maybe three examples for each of ways that an e-commerce brand could use personalization. Of course, there's the obvious example or the two obvious examples that I just mentioned and Amazon, how they <laughs> recommend products based on what you've purchased. So maybe we can focus more on non-e-commerce brands. And what are some examples of, of personalizations other than, other than the like bank example? Yeah. Uh, we, we have some few examples here from, uh, B2B companies that focus in on selling the same products or the same service or the same software for different personas inside a company. So it's a little bit different from ABM because when we talk about ABM, we are talking about reaching these different kind of personas outside your website. But here we are talking about personalizing your website to this different buyer persona. So if I am an, an analyst or if I'm a head of the area or if I am the developer, I will mostly find some different valuable information in the website. And if your website just communicate the same message for all of them, you should you would probably lose some conversions in, along the way. So this is one of the examples for B2B companies. Um, for marketplace, as I just told in the, the beginning of our talk, uh, we have some marketplace that focus on different pages and different uh, like it, they, like they have different websites inside inside the main website for the buyer and the seller. So if you could understand which persona this this user is, you can change the focus of your website and the communication to to better address their needs. Um, and let me see another one. Well, uh, we can use you can use personalization. It's similar for the user inside the product, but you can use this on the website, on the not logged area, to different the difference the communication between these people that just match your brand and are in the consideration and discovery phase to the other people that 
already know the brand, are already uh, are familiar with the problem that you solve and are just uh, worried about how you solve this problem. So based on the FUNA stage, you can change the communication with personalization to better address this, this language market fit that you are looking for. Um, and with Croct and maybe some other personalization um, platforms that you would recommend, uh, does it start at the ad level or is it specifically only on the website? Um, or are you kind of talking like the whole funnel? Yeah, when we talk about personalization, we are talking about the whole funnel. Uh, one, mm -hmm. of, one of the mostly common mistakes is to focus on a single channel when we are talking about personalization. But it's very hard to find a single platform that can address all this, uh, these stages or all these touch points. Because if you do everything, you don't do this better, you know? Yeah. So uh, what we usually see here uh, is that the, the ads platform, they already have some segmentations uh, uh, features. They are very good at segmenting users so you can address the best communication for each one of them. So what we recommend here is to find a platform that can address your website first, because this is where we have the, the huge opportunity and where usually companies focus the less. So uh, Croct, for example, just focus on the website and we are about to launch the, the mobile app uh, SDK. So you can uh, connect your SDK, your, your mobile app too, but it's not it's not so easy to to find a platform that can synchronize everything and orchestrate this very well. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, with all the tracking issues that are happening right uh, happening right now with you know iOS and and um, yeah. different ads platforms, it you know trying to focus on that or make a seamless uh, personalization funnel seems yeah pretty difficult. Yeah. I, I believe that the most interesting thing is to focus on platforms that provide first-party data or first-party first cookie support. Because mm -hmm. if you work with first-party data, you are basically aware that you have the control of this data. You can ensure that this data is it's right, it's a quality data. And if you want to rely on third-party data resources, you, well, you should probably know that your your life won't be easier next year, for example, and your strategy yeah. won't won't live short. Right. Yes. Um, so at a risk of being super redundant and repetitive, um, what's an example of a perfectly personalized experience that you've come across or that you've worked on? Yeah. So I believe that uh, since we just talked about this multi-channel personalization, the, the state of the art is when we can personalize from the, the ad to the process of the discovering and conversion and consideration to the final stage of product usage. This is the state of art. So we have, of course, we have some companies like Netflix, Amazon, as, as you mentioned, and Spotify that they could do this because they have endless resource, but if you don't have endless resource, uh, our our recommendation is to focus on the the part of this journey where where you have the most the, the huge opportunity the hugest opportunity and where you don't focus for now. And it usually is your own house, your own website, your own product, and your own app. 
And uh, here at Croct, we have some uh, advanced users that have already reached the state of art in the ads platform, in the email marketing platform, and they have already built a very nice product with a lot of business business rules and so on. But they like forgot for a little while about this acquisition funnel and how their website should should behavior, because in their website we don't have a lot of data as we have inside of our products in the logged areas. So it's it's sometimes harder to, to address this kind of needs. So uh, I believe that one of our customers that has the most uh, the most nice case here, uh, it's a, a tall company. They are from the Fleet Corp group, Fleet Corp group in the US. Uh, they, they like sell these tags for, for tall for, so you can pay without money, without cash. And they reached a stage where they could, can now personalize everything in the ads platform. They know who are their buyers, uh, which kind of usage they have for the product. So I travel a lot, so I need to use this on tall. I don't travel a lot, but I used to, to use this on shopping malls or on supermarkets for pay parking, for example. And they brought all of this to the website, to the purchase flow with Proct, with our personalization platform. And they could, I believe that today they have like 18 different experiences on their website based on these clusters of users. And they are, they are starting to use some AI-based segmentation also. And way, when the, the users reach the app, the app, the mobile app, they have a completely different system they, that are connected with the website and like earn all of this, this user context that they learned in the purchase behavior to personalize the, the, the journey inside the mobile app. It's a very nice example. They started user personalization three years ago, I believe, and everything they do now is personalized because they have done a lot of A-B testing and they have discovered a lot of improvements in the conversion rates and engagement rates and so on. Wow, that's really cool. Yeah. Um, so one last question before um, we go, I forgot to ask it earlier on, but I'm interested, um, I guess going back to when it might not be appropriate or may still be appropriate to uh, employ personalization on your website. What about sites with low traffic, like very, very low traffic when you typically, you know, might not have a solid amount of testing data um, yeah, to support A-B testing. Is it still a good idea to play around with personalization? I guess you still need a hypothesis to, to make it yeah. work well, but um, yeah. what are your it's, thoughts? It's definitely harder because it's harder to measure the impacts of personalization, but it, it's not impossible. And when you think about the, the benefits of personalization, it goes way beyond conversion optimization. Of, of course, uh, the intersection is very large here, but we have some customers that use personalization for other purpose. For example, uh, in B2B, it's very common to use personalization when we want to ensure that the user sees you as a reference on your market. So uh, if, if, you, if you can show the users that you understand their needs and you dominate this topic, this issue, and you are the best competitor in the market, personalization can address, can help you uh, can help you with, uh, I don't know, 
make make the user comfortable with your brand, make the user comfortable with their choices, and it doesn't require necessarily A/B testing, so you can you can see benefits from this. We have some customers using personalization without A/B testing today, and because of this, because their website has a low traffic, but they have proven that without personalization, the quality of the lead that arrived in the sales fund in the sales pipeline is is worse so they choose to use personalization even if they couldn't a b test this hypothesis hmm. yeah i guess at that point you can you can kind of default on best practices yeah. um and stuff like that to try to make your users yeah feel more comfortable um, yeah it, it also helps you uh Basically, when you have a low traffic, you use this this website to generate leads or something, and personalization can help you with lead qualification, for example. So the sales pipeline could be a lot better and a lot more qualified if you can use personalization to help this user find their way before they 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 touch they touch base with a, a salesperson. For sure, that makes that makes a lot of sense. Um... Cool. Yeah. I mean, obviously we don't want to be using best practices all the time, but (laughs) if you, if you can't test, um, I think personalization is a good, would be something that could be really effective, even if you can't test it, um, seems, you know, just like a, a great improvement, um, on an experience. Yeah. But you, you are right. We always recommend to test at Proct. We test everything, even with, even when we, we are absolutely sure about this hypothesis, even though we test, because the numbers don't lie. So you should always rely on testing. For sure. Yeah, of course. Um, okay, cool. Well, this has been super interesting. Um, I'm super excited about personalization. I think it's, yeah, just kind of beginning. Um, and there's so much available to us to personalize um, websites. I think it makes the experience so much better for everyone. Um, So I think this is a really, this was a super interesting conversation for me. Um, Yeah. So I guess moving on, um, do you have anything before I let you go? Is there anything exciting going on in your life that you want to share with with everyone? Yeah, sure. Well, as I as a founder, my life is pretty much about Crocs every day. So, <laughs> I think that the most the most uh, nice thing that is happening here is that we just launched our free plan, and we are trying to approach personalization in a whole different way. So, we know personalization can be hard, very hard, because you have to integrate a lot of bun- a bunch of systems like A/B testing, CMS, and I don't know uh, personalization engines, CDPs, and etc. So we are tackling a challenge here to build a single platform that can deal with all of this. And we have just launched our free plan. And as a founder, this is very, very exciting. <laughs> and it's very, it's a very, it's a very, it's, it's a nice phase of the company. And I, I'm really excited about all of, all of this. And I, I believe that we can make the, we can reach the goal of make personalization like A-B testing in the optimization market. We don't we don't want personalization to be a hard thing to do. We our our goal is to make personalization as simple as A/B testing. Like everyone should should be, should be doing that, and we aim to make it easy. So let's see if we can do that. Amazing! That's really exciting. 
Um, well, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, it was lovely to meet you. Yeah, it was um, my pleasure.